0: Alright, troops, strong and conditioned, live and direct from the Chateau du Barpi. And tonight, I had to bring him on again. He's such a great guy. It's the French natural bodybuilding phenomenon. A man with a body so sculpted that Michelangelo would have had trouble creating a statue in all his glory. It's the one and only. Soviak, a.k.a. Axel. Axel, my friend. How are you tonight?
1: Um, I'm good, Lee. How are you doing yourself?
0: Oh, all the better for talking to you, brother, as always. I'm having a nice day. What about yourself? You improved your
1: podcast boss?
0: Yes, my podcast yes, improved big time. I've, I've, I've been investing in new equipment just to bring value to the listeners. And obviously... Bringing on guests like yourself, so, so Axel, the first thing I want to talk about is that I am under the impression that you have just released a book. Yes. Would you like to tell us about this book, Axel?
1: No, they search for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no problem. Well, it's basically a training guide book that I I wrote, and it's about how to basically. Build your own program and how to train in a half-body or upper-lower, as they say, uh, style. So it's basically a walkthrough to what you're supposed to do in a program, how to contextualize it, how to create it, what parameters are important. And then I, I put everything up at the, at the end with several programs, about, about 20 of them. Uh, some of my making, I also show how I train. I have my own program in the, in the book. And I also show some uh, training program of many legendary athletes. Some of them are totally unknown, I think, from the, the big audience, you know, like Chuck Sype or, or Van Weaver that are fantastic American athletes. And I'm pretty sure none of them uh, have, have been heard in a while. So, yeah, it's, it's basically like a, a little guide, you know, to, to help people train.
0: Well, one thing that I think stands out with regards to the noble Natty community in particular is that you really push the idea of programming for yourself. You yeah. don't throw cookie cutter programs down people's throats. You encourage creativity in that respect. Is that something totally. that you is that something that you follow yourself? Yes.
1: Totally. Uh, The cookie cutter approach works. That's why it's cookie cutter. Like if I tell you do bench press, you will have some chest development and do pull-ups for your back. Both of us, you know, if you do that, we'll have some chest and some pull-up. But depending of our own personal goal and maybe our shoulder or joint problem maybe, we will need to tweak that. Will it be barbell bench press? Will it be dumbbell bench press? Will it be pull-ups with a wide grip pronated like that? Or will it be neutral grip like that? You know, it's this is not cookie cutter anymore. This is the individualization, and it's about both preferences and goal. And for myself, for example, I have I am very lucky right now to be in a spot where I can train in uh, three or four gyms with a lot of different equipment. So when I want to train with a specific machine or a specific equipment, I can. And some people will be like, "Oh, but why do you do this machine not this one?" And the answer sometimes is not about, "Oh, this one is better," or "or this and that." It's just that because I want to. I, I decided I was going to do six plate on X machine just because I want to, you know. As long as it goes into the direction I want, no problem, you know. But it's not cookie cutter at all. It's just me and the weight, you know. And I want people to actually cut themselves some slack and realize that they are not three sets of X magical exercise away from them, from their dream physique. It doesn't work like that, you know. So this is something that I, I really hammered into the into the ebook. It's like everything can be contextualized and uh, managed for you, and that's why I also have like a full page of like exercise substitution. And like you can do this or you prefer that, no problem. That's why I did not even precise. You know, like leg curl. You can do seated, standing, lying. You can do one leg, two legs. It can be the convergent machine. It can be, um, I mean, there are so many variations of leg curl. And I just look like her, you do whatever you want, you know. So that's something I I think that in the natural community, um, uh, Paul Domniman is really adamant about talking about that. You know, it's not about ex-magical exercise for arms. And it's not about ex-magical meals. It's just going hard and consistently and not hurting yourself, basically.
0: Do you think that the constant bombardment of cookie-cutter programs eh, prevents people from being
1: more experimental in the gym? I don't know, man. I think it's a double-edged sword. In a sense that when you have a cookie-cutter program, there are some people that absolutely and even desperately need the guidance. So they will absolutely need a program. They will need someone to tell them, yes, it's good. No, it's bad. No, you need to do this. Uh, no, you need to do that uh, this way, on this day, at this hour. And on the other side, there are some people that can't even follow a program and a structure because they just do whatever they want, basically. And then it's a question of, are you actually seeing result or no? Because if you want to be ultra strict and rigid with your mindset and your training program, fair. Okay, if you prefer like that, no problem. But do you have results? You're optimizing everything. You're efficient with everything. Are you seeing results? If yes, keep going. If no, ah, something's wrong. And same thing for the other guy, you know, who doesn't follow any kind of structure. It's like, oh man, I wish I had this and that. Show me your program. Oh, what program? You need to have a certain program, you know, to, to actually be consistent with several little things that can be frequently uh, done for you to see results in that, In that path, you know. So I think it's just a pendulum, you know. It's like we have had so many cookie-cutter things for so many years. You know, like you've been in the in the game for longer than me, and I've been at it for like eleven years, and I've seen so many cookie-cutter programs. So I can't even imagine how much you saw yourself, right? And and now it's like the over-specialization. Everything needs to be specifically tailored. So it was on this hand of the pendulum, and then now we're here, you know why we should be right in the middle, you know. So I think it's it's a problem without being a problem. It depends.
0: Okay. So in that respect, how would you chart out the progress of someone who is just getting into the iron game? What stages do you think that they should go through in order to develop a superb physique, so to speak? Uh,
1: well, I always will be preaching the basics. And by basics, I mean the basic compound lifts, you know, like bench press, squats, deadlift, chin-up, dips, overhead presses, barbell whatever. And what I always say to beginners is that I want them to do this kind of movement, even if they will never, ever do them again in their entire life, when they go to intermediate or even advanced stage, because these movements are not just about sheer size and strength. It's also about proprioception. It's about building your bone density it's about building your, your resilience. It's about building coordination, the joints and everything. And it's also to go to a certain level of fitness, general fitness, of course, in more on the spectrum of strength and power, to then do whatever you want, OK? And it's always about go to intermediate level, do everything with full range of motion and with perfect form, and do not strain too hard and go to failure and do some weird shit. That's basically what I always say to beginner. you know? It's like, if you are not 90% sure to do one rep, you do not do it. We rack You're done. I don't care. You could yeah. have done it. Maybe. Maybe not. If maybe not, we just saved your life. Because you do not know how to fail a lift. You know? You do not know how to escape a bench press if you're stuck under the bar. And you do not know how to um, go down and escape the barbell if you're under like a squat, for example. Uh, and if you could have done it, it's, you know what? Next week, you will do it, you know? You did not lose any, anything. Yeah. That's always what I say to beginners. It's like you need your foundation, and your foundation is quite basics. Yeah, yeah.
0: So how would a beginner, like, be able to take that on board when all the information nowadays in social media is training to failure?
1: Um, oh, hm. Uh, do you want the long or the short answer? Long long, mate. <laughs> long answer. All right. So failure is a spectrum because by failure, we can say many things. For example, you're doing a deadlift and you're naked. You're doing deadlift. What will fail you first? Your back, your glutes, your hamstring, your quads, your core, your grip, You know, your spine. It most likely will be the grip and or the core uh, muscle erector spinae and everything so we use belt we use straps to go and like basically go further than that to actually have more of a closer reach to the actual muscle we're trying to train so most, most often the back muscle groups and the legs but then form breakdown still happen so what do we do do we still keep going with the form breakdown to achieve muscular failure on specific muscles or do we stop here and realize that failure is something that we can apply on some exercise, some motion, and for some others, we can't. And then there is, the, so there is a posterior, postural failure. There is also the muscular failure. You're doing a movement, and the muscle you wanted to target with X movement is done. But you can keep going by using other muscles as assistance. For example, you're doing lateral raises. You're, you're strict. You're like that. And then you start to tire. So what you do? You do that. You know, you do a bit of swing, or you maybe shrug a bit, or you flex the arm, you know. Um, and then there is a the concentric failure. So it's like you're doing bench press, and concentric failure is when you cannot keep going and lift another concentric phase with a barbell. But then there is also the eccentric failure. So imagine someone is helping with a concentric, but letting you be with the eccentric when you lower down the barbell. At some point, even there, you will not be able to keep uh, controlling the barbell and you will fail, but that will be the total failure, like you cannot move anymore, okay? And all of the points I have just said, so four points, postural, muscular, concentric, and eccentric failure are fa- are training to failure. So which form are we talking about? Which form are we trying to achieve? And also, are we even able to do that? Because personally, after 11 years of training, I have not been able to train to failure until very recently. Why? because my context did not allow me to do so. I did not have the machines and the uh, equipment to do that. If you use dumbbell and barbell, free weight, and you have no partner, you cannot go to failure, to true failure. You can only go to muscular failure. You cannot even go to concentric failure, because that means you would get stuck under the, the bar, right? Yeah. So. Turning to failure, yes, no, maybe, it depends. You know? like if you're on a Smith machine, you tell me I want to train to failure on Smith Machine, yeah, go ahead, kill yourself. <laughs> you you have no problem with that, it's Smith machine. But if you're with dumbbells, you're risking so much, you know, with these last reps when you're like that, all grinding and you know, agitating yourself. Like you go just too too further away from the normal path, and then boom, dumbbell on your yeah. face or yeah. a snap with your shoulder or whatever joint, you know. So training to failure depends, and it also depends of your um, own training experience. Some people are just more prone to go all out and some people aren't. You know, it has been reported by Arthur Jones and uh, the Mensa brother, for example, that Arnold Schwarzenegger did not know how to train hard, no matter how they tried and made him do some stuff when they were training together. uh, When Wader sent him to the Arthur Jones facility, it's like he had three or four reps left, apparently, and he just wouldn't do them. He would just do five sets instead of one. But I have known people that if you make them choose between doing five by ten or just one set, and then they're done, they will do, do one set. And even by instinct, sheer instinct, can, do you prefer to repeat the same thing for quite high volume, as we say, or do you just prefer to do one thing and then you're completely done and that's that. Yeah, whole so, nervous system, you know.
0: So, do you like? Would you suggest that the the beginner
1: has to take a more conservative approach? Yes, because he absolutely needs to be uh, conservative in order to build a good technique, and to have his body gets used to what a good technique is. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And when you know what a good technique is, and you know how it feels inside your body and also maybe potentially how it looks you know if you film yourself or you have a mirror then you not only are solid enough to maybe use some momentum some cheating some less optimal form as we say but you are also able to know what would be good and what will not be good you know yeah yeah
0: so 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 when the basic basics have been mastered in that respect and the the trainee is moving on to the intermediate level is this when you unleash them into the wild so
1: to speak yeah and that's why so many people get stuck in the wild for so many years (laughs) even their whole life sometimes it's like you want this narrow path and everything works and then it was the it was the tree hiding the forest and now you're like oh hey good luck see you on the other side over there you know like <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that's actually a very good point you make because when you put it into context, the intermediate stage is the most difficult stage, and that is where most people get lost.
1: Yeah, it's often the bell, it's like a bell curve. You know, many things in life, and especially in training, is like the bell curve. You have the beginner, and it's like a goo, 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 everything works. And then you have a bell curve, it's like, oh, do you have some studies and some stuff? You know, I try this program with this tempo, the RPE. And it's not working, though this might be the variation of the intensity of a squat, probably specialization program. And then you have the advanced guy, you know, like the IQ guys, and like, I do this because it feels good and I like it. And when it hurts, I stop doing it and I do something else. That's basically <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, what strategies would you suggest for the intermediate to become more focused in their training?
1: I think they need to be first um, honest with themselves. Because many intimidate, I believe, and it, it also happened to me, that's why I think I can speak about it, is that be honest with yourself. What are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to be a bodybuilder or are you trying to be a power lifter? Because whatever TikTok or YouTube told you, no, it cannot be done at the same time. That does not work that way. So do you want to be strong? Do you want to build? Do you want to cut? Do you want to be a bodybuilder? Do you want to catch up X muscle? Do you want to get ultra strong on why body part? Do you like Z program? You know, be honest with yourself first. Okay. And then when you have a goal, then you look at the context. Okay. Do you have a good equipment gym? Do you have all the machines you want? Or do you have just barbell, dumbbell, benches, and some chalk? Or are you at home? Uh, can you train often for a short period of time? Or can you train um, like just two or three or four times per week? But you can actually spend like a couple hours in the gym, you know? Do you, do you recover fast or not? Do you have some injuries? Do you have some leaves that are really, really bothering you? Like it's, it's, it's a grind each time you want to add just a rep or five pounds, you know, 2.5 kilogram. Um, and when you have all of this settled, then, okay, we can start to build something. So what is the,
0: at what point does the intermediate become advanced? What is the the
1: reference point for when that becomes apparent? Well, first, there is the strength. Like an advanced lifter, when you are whatever gym you are, whatever gym you are in the world, whatever the time, whatever the season, you are considered a strong guy. For example, a a three-plate bench press, that's commonly what is um, the checkpoint to say you are advanced on bench press you know can be a little less can be a little more depending of your bone structure but yeah three plate bench press each time you see a three plate bench press dude you see someone who is very well developed physique wise and you see someone who is quite strong how do I know that simple when you see someone on Instagram bench pressing three plate of course there are many people in the comments that are going to say yeah oh, easy you know so weak why? Because on Instagram you get to see the one percent elite of every possible thing. You know the most gorgeous woman, the most handsome guy, the strongest dude, the fastest guy, the most muscular guy. It's Instagram, so everything is accurate. Like, you know, it's a roller coaster. But in real life, when you see a guy with bench bench pressing three plate, whatever the gym, whatever the country, he's one of the strongest guy of the gym. Except if it's like a powerlifter, lifter, specialized gym. You know, so. That's the first thing. When you are basically strong for everyone, you're most likely advanced. So like three-plate bench press, two-plate overhead press, four-plate squat, five-plate deadlift, whatever you are, whatever sport you do, if you do this, you're strong. And you are also also at a point that's most often what happens with people is that when you are at this amount of strength, you have to be very precise with your training because some stuff are going to take care of themselves and you do not even need to look at it. You just need to be patient and not get hurt. But some things, it's literally half an hour of sleep that can make a, a difference with that. Or like how you set up on the bench. Or like what did you eat and drink one hour prior to training. And that's the difference between an advanced and intermediate. The advanced guy is stronger, and he he realizes that he's about to prioritize some things, and you have to let some stuff behind. And that often the best strategy is to let everything that is just easygoing be and actually focus extra hard on the things that just are a bit more of a struggle. Whatever if we are talking about muscle or if we are talking about strength. Yeah.
0: How, how, How do the advanced guys keep the momentum going when at that point the gains
1: seem so marginal? I think it's just personal personal goals because when you are advanced, it's quite easy to maintain this advanced level. I know it sounds weird, but it's like you have trained and put in so much work into this that now your return of investment is very good. So you can train less frequently, less hard, but still maintain quite good amount of strength and muscle. And if for any reason, you, you you have just more time you just you just woke up one day and you're like you know what I want a five plate squat now you know everything about your body and how to program by sheer experience for you to do this five plate squat you know yeah. you know you, you know what knee is going to be a pain and you know you know what type of rep are going to be a no-no and you know what type of feeling when you are warming up is going to be oh this is a good day I know I can push hard you know what what variation is going to work. What variation is not going to work, and you know what type of exercise you need to do on the hamstring and on the calves and on the quads to make sure you're not hurting yourself and also getting stronger.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's like a it's it's, a, it's like a virtual virtual cycle,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah. I like is just the way I see things, and I always look at it like a role playing game in some respects. When you begin a role playing game, you go through the beginner phase and you start learning new skills and your head starts getting turned and then you, then you start to advance into the game and the skill tree opens right up and the game becomes really fun to play and then you become overpowered and things start to get a little bit boring at that point. Yeah. So it always interests me with regards to how can someone keep their eye on the ball when they know they're at that point only say putting on grams on the bar or grams on their body. I think it's
1: just about, you know, um, keeping the eyes far away, you know, on the landscape. Because, of yeah. course, if you stop and you look at everyone behind and everything around, you're like, oh, I made it. <laughs> but, you know, it's like for some stuff is that you do not care, okay, you made it. For other stuff, eh, you can just chip in a little bit, you know. And, you know, if you want to do, like, pro stuff, you have to keep the eyes far away to toward your goals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, then it's very personal. That's why I, I, I told you with like, you know, the previous question is very personal. Like some people yeah. will just be content and be like, oh, you know what? Um, I have other stuff going on in my life. I'm not going to focus that much on like strength training anymore. And some other people are like, you know what? I'd like really to have like 19 inches arm. Just to say, I have 19 inches arm. Like <laughs> no real, no real benefit. You know, it's like, like for street curl competition or arm wrestling stuff, or even like I don't know bench pressing competition. It's just like yeah. the guy woke up and he said, you know what? I want 19 inches arm. Just to say, I have 19 inches arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But, but think- every guy wants big arms, Axel. Every guy wants. Big, it's 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 like it's built into our DNA.
1: Yeah, I think has, it's, it's DNA. Yeah. It's like you do not want to watch the calves but you want the arms. It's
0: always like that. <laughs> so, Axel, how rigid are you with your own programming? Do you have any does any experimentation come into play when you go into the gym? Do you think sometimes that you try to be as less dogmatic as you can be when it comes to your own training programs?
1: I try. I try. I am um, I was lucky in regard to bodybuilding because I am someone who loves routine. And I have no problem doing cuts and bulking. I mean, bulking, yeah, I have a problem. But for cutting, I have no problem because it's like I, I'm supposed to eat 200 grams of chicken and 200 grams of green beans. Okay. I'm hungry. I don't care. I have 200 grams of chicken and 200 grams of green beans. You know, it's the routine. It's noon, this is what I'm going to eat, you know. So I'm very easily drawn into the dog of very the rigid structure. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm so curious and uh, and even autistic regarding training. So it's like there are these guys that are just doing whatever they want and they're much better than me in less amount of time. What yeah. are they doing that I'm not doing? Yeah. And I watch and there is literally nothing. Nothing except the fact that they, ju- they just do not stress and emotionally invest themselves as much. And so that's why it's been, especially since I came back in France, so like uh, early 2021, I've had so many injuries, like little, little nagging stuff, but there was also my knee that had a surgery that I basically for a full year trained around injury. It was not about training hard because I had this specific goal and I needed this and that. It was just because, you know what, I'm hurt, but I still want to go to train. And I realized that I do not need to be 100% invested anymore. Things are going to take care of themselves naturally just because I just show up in the gym. So currently, um, the training I filmed with a high-quality camera that I'm Currently editing, and there is already two training on my YouTube channel. This type of training, I have already s- switched little things, you know, and modify some order or even adding or remove some exercise or replace them, just because now it seems like every two months I have to really assess and be like, okay, is it really helping or not? I am at that point basically. It's just like Alex um, of um, Alpha Destiny, Alexander Leonidas. I never ever. Comprehended and understood why in the past it was like, oh, I cycle variation every week and I have a three week rotation stuff. And like, what the? Why? Why do you do that? You know, now understand because now every two months I actually have to be like, yeah, I don't think it's working. I'm going to do this now. Yeah. For example, I was doing front squat. You know, it had been one year and a half. I could not do front squat because it was. I think it was about the compressive force on the knee. It just felt weird on the knee that got um, a surgery. And I could do them. So I went up to 130 kilograms, but each set would just um, take so much out of me. I was like, I need something to actually train my quads better, but I I cannot just be so done after just one exercise. And then I trained with a couple of friends you maybe saw Saw them on Instagram and on YouTube Shorts. So it's a tall guy, Luca Guif, and another guy who's looking Asian, Antoine. Yeah. And Luca is basically a very highly advanced bodybuilder from France. So, is uh, me but five year older. Yeah. And everything he did five year, uh, five years prior, I understand. And there are some stuff he does. It does. It does now. I don't. I don't understand. But I'm still doing them anyway because i I know one day I will just woke up and be like, oh. That's why he's doing that, you know? And I did a leg day with him, and he just said, you know what, forget about free weight squats. Because even if you know how to make it work, it's still not going to be better than Smith squat. Yeah. I said, okay, show me. Now I do Smith squat, and I am doing three plates, full range of motion, and also I, I met templates, so it's even like, oh, I got to squat. <laughs> uh, and my quads are getting better and better every week. It's still completely destroying me each set. I'm still questioning my life each time I'm going down, you know, because each rep takes three business days to be done. (laughs) But I progress. And now it's not like front squat where each rep is literally like taking a part of my soul, you know. Now it's like, oh, it's 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 hard, it's going to suck, but I'm still going to do it anyway, you know. So that's the first thing. It's like I'm much more reliant on exercise I know I can be stable upon. To do things, and at the same time, I feel so heavy and so, so fat in a sense that I took up cardio again. I'm doing boxing again, and I'm doing jump rope again because I just feel so heavy. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, your dead weight. You know, you should
0: start doing boppies, mate. (laughs) But what I said, you should start doing boppies.
1: What is that? Do you eat it? <laughs> I'm gonna try. You know what? I'm gonna try. I'm gonna
0: one, try one day, mate. One day,
1: no, no. I'm gonna try. Okay, I'm gonna try.
0: And you should film it as well, mate. Okay. I need, I, I, need a, I need a laugh, as they say in
1: Scotland.
0: All right, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, what, do you, <laughs> <laughs> what do you use as like gauges to like measure your progress in the gym? like because like muscles hard to to quantify well do you just go by weight on the bar
1: honestly yeah i know so many people will be saying oh no the strength is not really correlated to muscle mass and blah 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 hey you know what (laughs) i have never seen someone who is doing four plates high bar atg style squat who has puny quads yeah I have seen plenty of guy was puny quads when they do the same thing with low bar. That's true, yeah. but with high bar, not once. Yeah. And exercise like hack squat, RDL, uh, weighted dips, um, machine rolls, What else? Um, shoulder with the dumbbell, you know, or instant push-ups with a, 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 like full range of motion, like your own steps, you know. Yeah. This yeah. exercise, if you really do full range of motion and you really focus on progression of performance, there is just no way you are not going to gain muscle. Yeah. Because by a sense, these exercises are putting a lot of mechanical loads on the on a specific muscle group or just two of them, yeah. and at the same time, they put them in a pretty stretched position, so you induce a lot of muscle damage. Of course, muscle damage is not necessarily correlated to muscle growth because too much damage is not good. But at yeah. the same time, just enough muscle damage is what it is needed to switch the protein synthesis, switch basically. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and when you progress and track this kind of exercise, you will see a progression with your physique as well. Yeah. There is just no escape, you know, for the yeah. muscle. Basically, it has to grow. Yeah. So I do that, and at the same time, I take measurement. For example, um, right now, I'm really determined because I have no knee problem anymore. You know, I, I kind of understand now how far I can push in terms of volume and intensity. Uh, I really want to push my legs to, um, my legs, I mean my quads, to uh, something like 70 centimeters of diameter. You know, So it could be, uh, I don't know, 27, 28 inches, I believe. And I would like my waist to keep the same uh, size. Yeah. And I've been doing much more uh, RDL with uh, dumbbells and a lot more range of motion with barbell. And out of nowhere, I gained a lot of hamstring. Like, it was immediate, like, three weeks. In three weeks, I saw a real pop in my hamstring that I did not have before. And I gained 2 centimeters on my waist size. Now it's 75, and before it was 73. But you do not see it from the front. It's all erector in the back. So my whole back changed, like my whole back just metamorphosis, you know? And how I I go progress with that? If my waist size keep the same, but everything around it explode, I know I'm going in the right direction. Because if it could be the waist also growing a lot, it could potentially just be fat. Maybe subcutaneous fat, you know, under the skin, but it could also be uh, um, inside the guts, intravisceral fat, and you just can't see it. You know, yeah, yeah. So that's basically how I do it: the strength on several exercises, um, I mean the performance tracking and also the measurement. You know, like my arms now they are forty-five centimeter, and I just want forty-six. Just to say, I have eighteen inches arm. Yeah, yeah.
0: How how yeah. often do you, how often do you measure yourself, Axel?
1: Let's uh, say every month. Yeah,
0: and every would you month. say that you you notice like growth every month?
1: Okay. Come again,
0: would you say that you
1: notice that growth occurs on a monthly basis? Not really, but uh depending of how I look, how I feel like if i look if I feel like I look jacked and I feel full, and I look at the measurement and it's the same. that might sound weird, but I know I'm going in the right direction because each time I'm doing the right thing, first it looks like I'm getting denser and I have more definition on a specific area, yeah. and then it grows. Yeah, yeah. So While if something cool. is basically the same looking, or it looks deflated, okay. or just flat, like a like you know your quads, they lose definition, for example, and they look like a like just one block, basically. Something is yeah. not going in the right direction. At least for me, I have fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's how that's- I do it
0: so going by that method you utilize what would you say are your most responsive body parts uh
1: right now or in my yeah. whole right now well in general but like right now in, general. in general the whole back yeah yeah the whole back traps lats erectors yeah uh the glutes uh, anterior and lateral delt, the quads, especially the quad sweep, and the forearm. Yeah, yeah. And what, so... what is funny about that is that these are the muscles I uh, get soreness the easiest. How
0: often do you train your forearms?
1: Uh, twice weekly.
0: Okay, and how do you like, do just one exercise
1: per session or two or three? Uh, I will do one bicep. It's often uh, reverse easy bar curl and wrist curl with a barbell. And I use fat grips. Most often yeah. it's just that. But every 10 to 12 days, I'll do a full body training. And it will be um, some weird stuff I saw some arm wrestlers do makes them really big with your forearm. So it's like you have a towel and you loop, you loop it inside the plate. So I use a 10 kilo or a 15 kilo plate and you go right there, you know, with your, your, should, it's mirror, arm stack like that. Yeah. And you do this and you rotate like that. Yeah. yeah curl yeah, at the same time. So you're doing the internal rotator, basically the pronator of the forearm and some, you basically really, and faces the brachioradialis. And I do, i do that so yeah
0: how long have you been training your forearms for
1: about 2 year 2 years
0: because the reason i'm i'm honing in on the forearms is because when i was like beginning my journey in lifting weights the forearms were ultimately a no go area for most guys because we were fed the the information that it was purely genetics And the same goes for your calves as well. Yeah, and that's one thing that blew my mind about the noble Natty community was that they would almost smash against these ideas with a degree of common sense in the respect that at the end of the day they are muscles, and if you work muscles with a degree of intent, they will respond accordingly. And if you approach training the forearms and calves with that mindset, then you will get results, hopefully. Now, I know the calves are a bone of contention because I know there's guys out there who exercise their calves on a daily basis and nothing seems to happen. But it's more the mindset that interests me that nothing can stand in your way if you attack it with intent.
1: If there is a will, there is a way. If you really wanted it, if you really wanted it, you would do it. Uh, forearms, I'm not really a good example. I really want to, to have a disclaimer here, because I did not directly train my forearm for years, and it was a strong point, meaning that people would look at me like you have nice forearm. And I would what do you do for them? I just do rows and pull-ups, you no. Know? And I'm not talking specifically just about the brachioradialis. I'm talking about the whole thing, you know. And it's think, I think it's because of my past sport, especially combat sport, uh, the fact that I really rarely use traps. And also the fact that genetics. Thanks, dad. Yeah. I, because my dad also has some fucking gigantic forearms. <laughs> you know, not, not, not cartoonish, but they are, they are huge, you know. And yeah. all he did, all he did a, a part of a few years of lifting when he was quite young, you know, but... I don't think it even matters because he was just doing bench press and squats, I believe. Um, All he did was just manual labor work. Yeah. Yeah. And my forearms were a certain size when I was doing push-pull legs and upper lowers and stuff like that. And when I went on to um, full body, just because my training were much longer, I, I went from two hours to three hours, just because it was longer and I was gripping weights longer, they grew, you know, so that that's how much I'm not a, a good example, but then I have I of course eat a wall. I cannot have gigantic forearms and be lightweight at the same time. So I have to gain weights. So I have to get stronger, like on fat grip chin ups and stuff like that. And I also have to start isolate them. So I did, and uh, it's been a year, a year and a half, and I I rotate fat grips and I rotate stuff you know to avoid overusing etc. And um, and you know what I just measured them you know uh, like a. Two hours ago, you know, I was just uh, I was just curious. And um, when I really flex my arm like like that, you know, and I do this, there right. are 41 centimeters. And if I'm just extending my arm like that, like like this, there are 38, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm not a good example because I literally just do uh, eight sets per week of direct work, and I already have that. You know, I think someone else would have much more trouble and we need more time or much more focus, like doing them in the beginning of a workout or actually tweaking the whole training around it, you know, because I just do these sets and look. I mean, (laughs) I I, I cannot take credit for that. Like, I I know it looks nice, but I cannot take credit for that. I'm just going hard at it and then that's it. I I just wait, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm actually ashamed to admit that I never actually started training my forearms until I discovered (laughs) The Natty Noble Community or Noble Natty Community in that respect. Maybe so, not. so you also mentioned your back being one of those areas that was highly fertile. What are the three exercises that you would consider that built your back?
1: Um, in general, or like very specific exercises. What just three exercises that you felt had the biggest impact on the size and width of your back? Okay, so I'm going to go general because I know some people will be listening and be like, I'm going to do exactly what he said. <laughs> and I do not want that. Uh, chin-up, okay. barbell roll, deadlift. Yeah, 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 and yeah. When I say that, I mean chin-up variation, rolls variation, deadlift variation. Yeah. Okay? And you yeah. found the one you prefer, the one that does not hurt bad, the one that hurts good, and then you go yeah. fre- freaky strong on them. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. If I had to go into details, I'd say neutral grip chin-up. Yeah. Uh, it's not maybe the best, but I don't know. Each time I do, uh, I do not do it because I'm not in the correct gym and I just do pronated weighted pull-ups, my back does not look the same. And the moment I take them back again, it's like some pops and some definition in certain area arrives. Yeah. For rows, I always prefer T-bar row to normal barbell bent over row. And I always prefer the 8th row to, bar- to normal barbell bent row. I just, T-bar row is just so nice for me. Like, uh, even right now, sometimes I just do it and I can still 6-plate or 7-plate it and I just do it once in a while, you know. it just feels so nice, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, as for deadlift, um, block pull and rack pull just below the knee. And yeah. my best is 6-plate for 8-reps. And, uh Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's funny that you bring up like two of those lifts are like sacrilege in some corners of the fitness community when it comes to growing muscle. And it's something that blows my mind because the bent over row is such an amazing exercise, but you get a lot of people that come in nowadays and they say, But it's not optimal. It's your lower back takes over, your your hamstring take over. It's true.
1: The case with Barber Row is true. It's like, yeah. You're limited by uh, your low back and your isometric strength with a posterior chain. It's totally true. But then it's like, oh, so you're limited by this, and we're trying to trace that. So we just ditch it totally. Many of these people, yet again, as we talked about in the first minute, they do not need optimized training. They just need training. It's just they do the... not need a special machine with a specific elbow angle, with a specific internal fucking cues or whatever the fuck they want. They just need to fucking train. Yeah. You know? But so If you look at that, and then you look at guys like Samir Banoud, Dorian Yates, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Froko Columbu, Bob Paris, Lila Brada, Mohamed Makawi, I can, I can just go on and on and on. And <laughs> look, at look at their back. Did they have some nice Nautilus or armor strength machines like me or us nowadays? No. All they had was bent over Barbero and T-Barro yeah. and row. And what happened? Yeah. What happened? You know, they got exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I, I can barbell bent over row pretty strictly three plates. Yeah. So now my problem is, how can I put barbell bent over row in my training without destroying my lower back that I absolutely need fresh for my hip hinge movement, such as deadly variation? It's a huge, tricky thing with me, because I even have a small waist. So if I have a small waist, it's always more fragile. Even if I use a belt, even if I have strong muscle, it's always more fragile. It's about yeah. centimeters square. Basic mm-hmm. physical, law, okay? So right now, I'm not doing barbell bent over low. Uh, I mean, regularly. Why? Because each time I do it, my lower back is so beat up afterward that I feel it for like three, four days, and each time I'm doing a barbell deadlift, I'm like, oof, that hurts, you know? Yeah, yeah. So at my level, at my, with my current context, I don't really can make it work. Yeah, but does yeah. That, that I need to put it in the trash can? Definitely not. Because one day, I will wake up and be like, you know what? I'm just tired to deadlift. I'm going to row four plates, strict. I'm going to go on the T-bar row, and I'm going to put uh, plates up to the end. And then I'm going to find a way to have an adaptator, like some gym pin, to add even more. And I'm going to roll it strict, or just yeah, with yeah. a bit of momentum. It will be like 12 plates something. <laughs> If I want to do that, I cannot deadlift heavy. Deadlift will become some kind of afterthought or accessory. So yet again, it's all about context and goals. You know, yeah. the yeah. barbell bent over row. Uh, I mean, it gets a bad rep, but it's it's one of the best exercises ever.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more because I like to look at it through a lens that even if it is hitting my lower back and hamstrings, that is not necessarily a bad thing because it's putting the the, the whole body under tremendous load and the body should respond accordingly by having to adapt to that load. I mean, I see it through the lens of optimal in a sense, well, it's not hitting this muscle, and we want to hit this muscle, so we need to have the right exercise to hit this muscle. But sometimes you just need to put the body through a shocking process in order for it to overcome and adapt.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you really wanted to do barbell bent overall in your training, you have your back training or, like, your back focus training, you do barbell bent overall, then you do all the machines you want, finish the upper back muscles and lats, okay? And on the leg day, you are, you are going to be much more careful with hip hinge, you may not even do hip hinge altogether, and you will just do like squat variation and quad stuff, and you will do a lot of leg curls, and you will do some back extension or good morning. And that's it, and it's still going to work.
0: Yeah, no? yeah. Right, so uh, another question I wanted to ask you was, who would you consider to be, and you don't have to name one person, you could name a few here, but who do you consider to be the big influences on you with regards to how you approach programming?
1: I think Dorian Yates. I've been exposed to Dorian Yates very early when I began. I, I did uh, his body part uh, speed training. The first training I did was inspired by him, it was like on a French forum. With a website uh, interface, you know, and um, they had like a l- lot of articles about many, many things. And they talked about Dorian Yates and how he, he was well structured and uh, thought of everything with his training program. And I basically did a variation of that, like a, I think it was um, shoulder triceps, back abs, pec biceps, leg abs, something like that. And of course, then I went into the old school stuff, Steve Reeves, Rich Park. Uh, Jack Lallan, uh then the Vince Gironda stuff, the old school Golden Era stuff, and then I went with the uh, other things, you know, like the more modern bodybuilding approach with much more machines, reverse band, band, stuff like that, um, with much more biomedical, biomechanical applied stuff, the real thing, not the thing of so-called experts on Instagram. And then at some point, I just stumbled upon again Dorian Yates, and I'm like, but his training is just genius. The guy is is uh, using everything he has at disposal for every specific goal and every specific muscle uh, tension length ratio yeah. for everything he has to do with his current goals, which is of course to be Mr Olympia. So the goal is simple, get as big as possible, but still, you know. And I think that this approach, because if we put that, if we put this in my context, I'm just a guy who can go on the internet, and read about all of that. And Doyan Yates has a YouTube channel and an Instagram. And it's free for everyone. And we all you have to do is actually just three clicks and read. That's it. Yeah. But at this time, Dorian Yates came at a period where everyone was doing 40, uh, 40 sets per body part. <laughs> and if you were not doing that, you were a pussy. And he came. He's like, no, 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 six sets. Six sets. And you know what? Three sets. Of course, he's, he, he's, um, he's meeting with Mike Menser at Gold Gym at the time. It helps, of course. I'm pretty sure it helped. But at the same time, it was also because Zoyan yet from the start was thinking he was not like a brain-dead guy. Yeah. Maybe he was huge and maybe he was a meathead, but he was a very, very smart meathead. And I, I try to be like that sometimes, too, most of the time. I try. <laughs> it's like I'm thinking. It's like, can I make it better without falling in the pitfall of uh optimize things you know it's not about just optimizing it's like is it going to be better or not and sometimes better is the enemy of good so yeah. I prefer to aim for good instead of perfect you know um and yeah that's like the school philosophy really um it really inspire me on that side yeah yeah
0: is there anyone else that you would consider to have also been an influence on training yeah or just the way you
1: program your workouts steve reeves steve reeves and he was Why? handsome. he was just on some bro <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing he, he was he had some he had some luck he was with head Yarik, and head Yarik was an inventor of many things and he was um a person that knew a lot of guys that invented a lot of exercise so Steve Rees, I think very early on, also had that mindset of like, if everyone is doing something and it's not working for you, it's okay, and you can go and find that what will work for you. And so yeah. incline bench press, incline curl, uh, axe squat by using your belt and putting the barbell on top of that to kind of stabilize it, and then doing axe squats, Yeah. these type of things. we. Um, what is the, the donkey calf raises stuff like that? All of that is to views, and why did he do it? Because he tried bench press, squat, deadlift, etc. And he's like, Yeah, hey, it's not working for me. And same thing for the uh, seated Kyber row, it's not that he really invented it, but he popularized it, uh, because he was doing it in a way that was so uncanny for many people, even today. Today, if you're doing your, your row with uh, a straight back, you're doing it right, and if you're doing your rows with a rounded back. <clears throat> Ego lifting, you're going to get hurt. You're bad, you're bad, you're bad. No, <laughs> it's, the, it's the upper back who is relaxed. The, the, the lumbar spine is not moving. And Steve Rees was basically doing a row. He was like that, crouch. And he was rolling to to his navel. But the movement was just this no no shoulder blade movement. So he was just using 40 kilogram, 50 kilogram easy weight. Yeah. And his leg would blow up. And people were like, but how is he making it work? well, he's making himself go in a very peculiar position that really stretch and stress the lat and he's not using at all any other muscle, just the lat. And trust me, I've done it, I tried it, and 50 kilo is more than enough. So, you know, I try to keep an open mind for these kind of things. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, I, I personally have been reading a lot of Jamie Lewis lately. And in one of Jamie Lewis's workout, plague of strength.
1: Oh, Jamie Lewis. Okay,
0: yeah. Sorry, yeah. the Scottish accent was.
1: Yeah, it. No, yeah. I, I heard Jimmy. That's why I was like, what? Jamie,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jamie Lewis. No, Jamie, yeah, Jamie. James
1: yeah, Lewis. I, yeah, I followed him since uh, twenty
0: thirteen. Yeah, yeah, I, I love Jamie Lewis's stuff. Jamie's a very. Yeah divisive character but i think that's his redeeming quality
1: get him on the podcast
0: we'll talk about that i I can ask for you if you want get him on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) so and one of the things that i thought was amazing when i read that jamie lewis program recently was he had a a day called the dealer's choice And the dealer's choice was when you go into the gym and do whatever you want for 90 minutes. What is your dealer's choice, Axel?
1: I think it's just my full body that I do every 10 to 12 days. Because there is literally no use for me to do that, except the fact that I go to the gym and I'm like, I can still do a full body and I can still go train for two and a half hour up to three hours hard and go home Alive, about so-so yeah. alive, you know? <laughs> That's it. So I think it's, it's really my 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 free day is that. it's Just going to the gym, I do a lot of machines. There is a, a row machine. It's a Gym 80 brand, German. I really like it. And I do like six sets of rows on that. I could do less. I could do more. But I would just want to say six because it's like three of these, three of that, and then I'm done. Yeah. Uh, there is a machine I like to do my triceps and my chest, and I, I cannot put it anywhere else, so I'm just going to do it here. And there is a Bulgarian speed squat, where I have a love-hate relationship with. I do them in the Smith machine, and I just can't do them before heavy squats, because then the squats are not heavy, <laughs> or before deadlift, because then again, it's like I'm going to pass out. So I just put them on my full body. And uh, uh, I had a goal, which was to do three plates, four reps, I mean, on the Smith, it's not really two plates. It's, it's a bit like this uh, 130 kilogram. And last time I did my full body, I did six reps. So I was happy. Yeah. And then yeah. there is a hip thrust machine, and I just put every plate I can on it. So it's like 270 kilo. So like 600 pounds, something like that. And I just do two sets of 15 reps with tempo, just because I can. That, that's yeah. my that's my free day.
0: Yeah. So every day is a dealer's choice for you, Axel. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, but... yeah.
0: Well, that's that's, that's obviously a degree of influence through Jamie Lewis in that respect because his programming is very experimental. It isn't locked in. It's very much like the Noble Natty community in the sense that it encourages you to think for yourself and just get in the gym and just as long as the intent and the effort is there, then you are going to have a really productive workout. So I've got one last question for you. Axel. this is this is something I've always wanted to ask a member of the noble natty community, and it goes back to what you said a, a few moments ago with the fact that you started bringing cardio into your workouts, which interested me straight away and shocked me as well. <laughs> one thing, one thing that the. I've always had stick in my head with the, the natural bodybuilding community is, is that they talk about how natural bodybuilding has a degree of purity to it and it's all about building the best body you can. However, no one ever seems to talk about the conditioning aspect that should run alongside a bodybuilding program in some respects because like just a personal opinion if you you can have a great car which looks beautiful a Ferrari Mm. but if it's got a one litre engine inside it it's gonna move like shit at some point so why is there no element of conditioning brought into the noble natty community if it talks about creating the best body that they can
1: Um, (laughs) that's a great question it's just that you're making me think but it's a great question I'm not upset (laughs) everything's fine it's just that it's a great question Um, I think it's just that I think it just comes down to the fact that it is extremely not sexy (laughs) and, and uncomfortable for the same reason that you see no one today do 20 rep squats or more, yeah. like Dan Jones preached. You know, it's not just about the the muscle you will gain from it, which is already quite a good deal. It's about mental fortitude. You yeah. already know it's going to suck. It's been five reps, and it's already starting to hurt. And then you go at ten, and you just want to stop. And you're like, "How fuck? I just did half. I just did half. I have ten more reps to go. What the fuck?" You know. <laughs> and I think cardio is the same because if we talk about low intensity cardio. I Think it's just laziness because, yeah, just going outside and walking your dog for an hour, you do that very easily. It's just yeah. that it takes time and you actually have to go outside,
0: you know, yeah. it's just
1: like the 10,000 10, steps a day. Yeah, you just yeah. Need to walk one hour, you're going to do them. Yeah,
0: um, but, but walking, that, like, walking that dogs, but really? sorry to interrupt, my dog's going wild here. Sorry to interrupt, but the that's not going to build a, a big engine. Like, I'm talking about building a powerful engine.
1: Yeah, when I was going to that. Yeah. yeah. So, when you're talking about like the zone, to the type two, zone two cardio, like HIIT stuff like that, when you can really sustain for quite a, a long duration, it's extremely taxing on the body and on the mind. Yeah. And it's, it, the best way to do that is to do combat sport and to do sprints. And the, the least, Painful sprint you could do to do that would be on the assault bike, yeah. but hill sprints and um, bike sprint are going to hurt you and are going to really make you feel bad, even if it's very short. Yeah. it's going to be 60 minutes of hell. And I think yeah. that just some people nowadays are just too much of a snowflake or too <laughs> afraid of this to hurt the, their gains to do it. Yeah, and yeah, as yeah. for combat sport, there is the uh, injury aspect. And the injury aspect is, of course, very important when you're a competitive bodybuilder. But if you're just someone with a regular gym rat and you just want to train pretty regularly, except if you are in a maniac combat sports club where people are not holding back, you should not worry about it. Yeah. And at worst, you can just go and hit the bag with intervals and you'll be fine. Yeah. You know? I, ju- yeah. I just think it's because it's, it's not sexy Yeah. and it's really hurtful. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I, c- I could understand that if you were competing and you need to retain as much muscle as possible and your focus is on like winning a competition but to be honest, most of the community are not in not any competing. They're not they, really, never win. they never yeah. will They never will So, it's just it's, I think it, there's a gap in the market in that respect with the, the, the Noble Natty community obviously something has to be implemented that is sexy that does catch the eye and, and ultimately shows results
1: hmm. yeah that, i'm that... going to film about the boxing and also the sprints i know there is a stadium where i can i can go with my friend who with a, a very nice camera and film i just need to be a condition again i would like to avoid hamstring strain yeah or which i already had uh, with my right hamstring but that's something i really want to Bring in the public. It's like you you can actually do some stuff with your bodybuilder body. You know, not just yeah. weights. You can yeah. move. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I listened to a lot of Joe Defranco's podcast, and he's actually speaking out against sprinting regularly now. When his like his page or his business was built on sprinting at one point, uh, because he claims that it's it's too hard for most people. It's it's unless you have pristine technique then sprinting should ultimately be avoided
1: that's why you're actually starting slow yeah. building up and yeah. also practicing on treadmill which is way less stressful than real tracks or or yeah. even ground and you can do it in the in the grass which again yeah. is way less stressful than like a concrete and yeah. you just build it up but yeah. then again that's why so many people are stuck into the intermittent cycle because if we take the amount of the example of sprints there are guys like Jamie Lewis that are going to come and be like, you know what, today I'm going to do 6 by 30 seconds. Why? Because I just want to. Why do you yeah. ask? Let me be. And there are other guys that are going to be like, oh, I need to do 8 by 12 seconds with 48 second rest. And I need to be <laughs> at around 90% of my maximum speed with big stride because big strides are good for the hip torque muscle to go. Just yeah. run, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it's a good example to polarize what you talked about early in the in the podcast. It's like you cannot just hold hand with people in regard to sprints. It's very individual. You know, We do not have the same pelvic bone. We do not have the same femur angle. We do not have the same knee stuff. You know? So it's about how you run, how you can improve your running technique, and how you can manage it in a strength training program. Yeah. But it's not hard. It's just, it's it's not easy, but it's not hard. No. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, that was another clinic by Axel. Love it, mate. Love it. So, Axel, Axel, before we head off into pastures, far and green, yeah. could you tell everyone who is listening where they can find you? And can you also tell them the name of your book and where they can find it, which I will also put in the link in the description?
1: uh yeah sure man so they can they can uh found me on social media at airsoviac uh, i have a website i have social media just type airsoviac i'm basically everywhere uh, and as for my ebook it is available on my website and only my website for now so you know, airsoviac.com ebook and it will be just there in the subsection so yeah thank you so much for having me lee absolute pleasure mate i like it i love it listen
0: before i once i stop recording stay on because i need to speak to you for a minute mate okay it was an absolute pleasure mate take care take care man